0: I don't want you on any supplements unless you really, really need them, because I want you understanding where is your baseline and how impactful are these changes that you're doing in your life right now? Because the supplement is actually defined as to add to or enhance. Mm-hmm. A supplement is not defined as go ahead and swallow this pill and you need to eat all the shitty food that you've been doing and not sleeping and, and working at a job that you hate.
1: Welcome back to Reconditioned with me, Lauren Vaknine. Thank you for being here once again uh, if you're a regular listener. And if you're new here, a little bit about Reconditioned. I created this as a hub, a one-stop shop to bring together all things wellness and growth. Because on my own journey from disability to wellness, it took me a very long time because everything was so dispersed, nothing was in one place, I was seeking things out everywhere you can imagine. And when I finally found that place of wellness, of homeostasis, I decided that I wanted to create a one-stop shop for all things wellness and growth, because my move from complete disability to complete wellness was not just as a result of nutrition or just as a result of supplements or just as a result of anything. It was a complete holistic approach to healing. So on this podcast, we talk about everything from nutrition and supplements and epigenetics and neuroplasticity and all that great stuff. And we also talk about trauma and inner child healing and shadow work and spirituality and intentional entrepreneurship, everything you can imagine that fits under the umbrella of wellness, well-being. Um, So with that in mind, today's episode is with someone that I hold very close to my heart actually, Dr. Ben Lynch, because he was such an instrumental figure in my healing. Um, And just to preface before I talk about Dr. Lynch, we recorded that episode over Zoom, um, which was kind of the original format before we moved into our incredible new studio. So if you're watching this on video, Um, you will see uh, the studio and if you're not please head to my YouTube channel to check out uh, the video of this we're we're in an incredible studio all filmed all videoed now as opposed to me and my measly Zoom videos (laughs) but unfortunately the episode with Dr. Lynch was filmed before we moved here and we weren't able to kind of reschedule and get him in again so that episode uh, the whole episode will be over Zoom this intro is me in my studio so yeah head to the youtube channel because all the episodes moving forward will now be here and sometimes it's just nice to see the face of the person that you're listening to that is if you're not driving um so that is where we're at with the studio and that's my exciting update but in terms of this episode i'm going to go ahead and read dr lynch's bio and then i'm going to talk just very quickly about why he's been so instrumental in my journey And then we'll head over into the episode. So Dr. Ben Lynch is the best-selling author of Dirty Genes and president of Seeking Health, a company that helps educate both the public and health professionals on how to overcome genetic dysfunction. He received his doctorate in naturopathic medicine from Bastyr University. He lives in Seattle, Washington with his wife and three sons. So when I was on my quest for wellness, the last piece, the last missing piece of the puzzle for me was epigenetics. It was learning about my genes and gene mutations and polymorphisms which I have which we will get into in the episode so you can understand exactly what that means. And me testing my genes and finding out about gene mutations I had not because and this was a, this was a, a mind-blowing moment for me of thinking previous to that i thought well why would you want to know what gene mutations you have because then you're just telling yourself some uncomfortable truths about your future and that was completely wrong and i was so misguided because actually knowing about your genes enables you to live your life based on a preventative approach so i then understood that i had this gene mutation called mthfr and i won't go into what that means now because we go into it in the episode but essentially it was preventing a lot of processes in my body. And Dr. Ben Lynch at this time 10 years ago was the only resource that I found anyway, excuse me if there were more out there, um, who was speaking about MTHFR and had a whole website and books and everything you can imagine dedicated to the understanding of MTHFR and other gene mutations and polymorphisms and the understanding of epigenetics as a whole in terms of your genes are not your destiny. I've written extensively on this since, so there are two articles on my website, one of them in particular that I wrote for a publication called What Doctors Don't Tell You. It's called When the Detox Button is Switched Off, so do search that on my website, we'll pop it in the show notes as well. Um, But essentially, Dr. Lynch was the first resource for me in, in looking for this. And he subsequently created a supplement line called Seeking Health specifically with MTHFR in mind, so methylated vitamins, non-synthetic methylated vitamins. So something we don't realise when we're given folic acid when we're pregnant is no one should be taking folic acid in its synthetic form, we should be taking methylfolate. So, and the same with uh, B12, B vitamins, we're be- give, being given all these synthetic vi- B vitamins and actually we need to be taking them in the form of methylcobalamin. So all these vitamins are available if you're listening in the UK on Amrita Nutrition, who amazingly are our partners for this season as well. So all the information about them and how you can get 10% off all the Seeking Health products as well as all the extremely high quality products from Amrita um, on in the show notes and on my website. I've also gone ahead and created a little collection of all my favorite supplements, because I only use Amrita and I have done for 10 years for all my supplements, because they're literally the highest quality you can find. So I've created a, a collection of all my favorite ones and all of that will be in the show notes and it's all on my website as well. And I speak to Dr. Lynch in this episode about MTHFR, other gene mutations, what methylation means. If you have any sort of autoimmune condition, cancer, anything that has brought your immune system down that means you you probably have MTHFR because about 70% of the population are said to have it. It gives you an understanding of how to manage that, how to prevent further illness, how to live according to your genes so that you prevent further illness and understanding that what that means for your children. All in all, a really mind-blowing episode that I feel everyone needs to listen to and um, if you are here for a preventative approach to health, which I know I am, and that's what this podcast is here for, to increase our vitality so that we can live better and live longer, Um, and that's why we're here. So, without further ado, here is my episode with Dr. Ben Lynch. Something that has always been a bit of a challenge for me, and I know it is to most people I speak to, is fitting in the time for all the spiritual and self-development practices I wanna do. You know, I'd like to meditate and do breath work and yoga and walk in nature and connect with my guides and journaling and so much more, all the things every day. But we can't do all the things every day. I'm a mom, I run a business. And even as someone who really does put this stuff first, it's pretty impossible to fit it all in. So the one thing that's really helped me over the past year is the Sensate. It is a piece of health tech that fits in the palm of your hand, And it basically sends infrasonic waves through the chest to activate the vagus nerve and calm the autonomic nervous system and you use it while playing the specially composed audio within the app it's actually pretty genius and honestly at the moment with my days being more full-on than they've ever been using the sensate is really the one thing that i know will work on so many aspects of my well-being at once so even if I haven't had time to do any other practices during the day, I lie down at night and I use the sunset for 10 to 20 minutes before I sleep and it reduces cortisol levels, it calms my brainwave states, it gives me great optimized sleep, it calms anxiety and because of how it activates the vagus nerve, it deepens my meditation. So I can kind of do all that in one go And I also take it everywhere with me. So if I've got 10 minutes in the car while I'm waiting for the school gates to open, I can just do it then without the pressure of knowing that meditation would be a bit challenging when I'm probably in heightened brainwave states at that point. So for me generally, it's been pretty life-changing. And if what I spoke about resonates with you at all, you can get 30 pounds off the Sensate by visiting getsensate.com and using code Lauren30. That's G-E-T-S-E-N-S-A-T-E dot com, Lauren30. Thank you so much to Sensei for supporting our mission here at Reconditioned. Welcome, Dr. Lynch.
0: Good to be here, Lauren.
1: I'm so excited to have you here, um, as you know, because um your work has been a huge part of my own healing journey, um, which we'll get into. In a bit, but I always start um, by asking my guests the first question, which is, "What have you done so far today to support your wellness?"
0: Uh, um, well, wearing blue blocks for one.
1: Yeah, I um, was going to say even in the morning. Yeah. It's the morning at you, so.
0: Yeah, so it is morning here, and uh, anytime I'm on a screen, I well, not anytime, but most of the time, I wear uh, yellow light or blue light blockers, mm-hmm. um, and I. Spent time with my wife and had a smoothie this morning with frozen organic blueberries, one of my supplements, and some goat milk. And uh, I should be having some electrolytes right now, but I was late, so I didn't fill up my electrolytes. But usually I have a tall glass of water here um, with a scoop of electrolytes, and I just sip that uh, over time. But I have yet to walk but uh, well, I will do that later.
1: Beautiful. Nice way to start the day. Yeah. So, okay. So you're, like I said, your work has had quite a huge impact on me. Um, I've quoted you many articles I've written about genetics, epigenetics, learning that I had MTHFR was, and I know that there are many other genes that we'll discuss and uh, gene polymorphisms that we'll discuss, but learning that I had MTHFR really was, for me, the missing piece in my journey from disability to wellness. So um, I'm excited to get into this with you. So you wrote a book called Dirty Genes, and mm-hmm. I'd love you to go into what is, because it's a really interesting title. What is the concept of Dirty Genes?
0: Yeah, so I love health optimization. I love helping people who are driven and motivated and eager to learn. Um, I want to help them get better. And when you have the right information, you have that ability to do so. And the wrong information really derails you um, and steers you down the wrong road big time. There's There are a lot of genes, not a lot, but there are some genes out there that if you are born with them, then your life is pretty difficult. Um, you know, You know, like cystic fibrosis, um, you know, being born with that, you are genetically um, going to have specific issues. If you have a mitochondrial disorder that you've inherited from your mother, um, you know, you could die, you know, at six months old. So those are very difficult conditions to um, support. Cystic fibrosis, there are some things you can do um, to help support. Other ones, you can't the concept of dirty genes is there are genetic variations out there that have been selected for through through natural selection for various reasons, many of which we don't know um, that are in us today that do alter our genes function, either for good or for bad. And I like talking about those genes because they're very, very common. So typically when I'm talking about genetics, I am talking uh, genetic variations. I'm talking about genetic variations that have a genetic or have an impact on us that is significant, but not life-threatening, and that you can apply lifestyle, environmental, dietary, mood, uh, nutritional interventions for. MDHVAR fits in that. So the concept of dirty genes is simply, it's a gene that is not functioning at its best. And if you know why it's not functioning at its best, what's causing it to be dirty, i.e. not functioning well, then we can wipe off that dirt, clean it up, and now you have a clean gene and it's functioning. And the concept of, of dirty gene is also that your genes get dirty all the time it's like your house, it's like your car, it's like your, your desk at work. I mean, you'll you'll spend an hour cleaning your desk and by the end of the day, you've already got crap all over it. Um, some days are cleaner than others. So it's, it's basically a, a way for people to understand that your jeans get dirty all the time and you always have to clean them up and it's okay
1: so it's kind of this concept of so previously before kind of we started learning about epigenetics we assumed that your genes were your destiny right whatever Mm. your grandmother had your grandfather had your parents had you're going to get it and there's no way around it and what i and, and genuinely coming across your work was my first you were my first resource when i started learning about um epigenetics and it was and and also your supplements because when I was then trying to get pregnant and it was like wow I was so grateful to have learned about MTHFR and to have learned about um, methylfolate through you before I got pregnant
2: Hmm.
1: and so I'd like us to go into um, to start what a genetic, what's the difference between a genetic mutation and SNPs? I think you call them SNPs. I think here they call them SNPs. I'm not sure. Um, And kind of what the difference is between them and what the most common ones are that we are managing. And then let's go into after that, talking about why we need to clean them up, if you like, and how we do that.
0: Yeah. So genetic variations or SNPs or SNPs, genetic polymorphisms or genetic mutations. um, There are technically, um, you know, if you talk with a geneticist, there are going to be some slight nuances with those. Generally speaking, if you see genetic variation, genetic polymorphism or SNP, they are one of the same. Um, Some genetic mutations are acquired through your life, usually within your mitochondria. Your mitochondria are very susceptible to damage. Uh, your mitochondrial genes are susceptible to damage. They don't have uh, protective mechanisms like our nuclear DNA do. Um, so but that's aside. they're they're essentially the same thing. So people just say them um, you know, based upon what what phrase they want to use at the moment. So SNP stands for single nucleotide polymorphism. So a single nucleotide is a basically a single letter of your gene that has changed. So for your MTHFR variant, for example, <clears throat> I have the MTHFR677 variant. So that is it, you know, the MTGFR gene is about, I don't even know, 7,000 nucleotides long. Uh, I'm guessing maybe it's 7,000, maybe it's 12,000 20,000 I remember but it's it's long and a position 677 there's a change from cytosine to thymine and that makes the genes shape change and um, well the enzyme so genes make enzymes and the shape changes and if the shape changes the function changes so imagine you're trying to throw me a ball and into my hand here that I can catch that ball pretty well but if my if you're throwing it this direction you know towards me but if my hand is turned slightly now you throw the ball at me i'm not going to catch the ball very well so with the mtgfr that SNP or single nucleotide polymorphism what is that change from cytosine to thymine at position 677 has turned the enzymatic or the enzyme a little bit where the uh, riboflavin binds to it so most people can bind the riboflavin right to their MTGFR enzyme and have it work well. But those with MTGFR genetic variations, especially 677, that riboflavin doesn't stick very well. It just, it, you need a lot of riboflavin to make it work. Um, so it's, it causes a, a, a enzymatic uh, dysfunction, but you can clean that up through Dr. Bruce Ames work, where if you load your body with a bunch of riboflavin the MTHFR enzyme will work more efficiently. So that's, that's one example. Um, so in remind me of your other question, there was quite a few things in that.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess let's talk about, um, cause MTHFR is one that comes up quite a lot. There are obviously more, what I want people to understand for the average person listening who isn't maybe, um, grasping all the terminology is Many of us, right, have these gene mutations. Yeah. And um, probably more than half the population, it is said, um, you know, have some variation of MTHFR, which is important for us to know. So, why is it important for us to know what our genes are doing? Um, let's start with that.
0: <laughs> yeah, let's start with that. It's, you know, we have our eyes and we're looking at the outer world and we're making decisions based upon things that we see, hear, touch, feel, smell, right? Or through vibration, sense, what have you. So we make you know, choices based upon all those senses. What if you knew that you know, a rock was falling uh, three feet in front of you, and it was a big rock, would you keep walking or would you stop? You would stop. And so if you understand where your genetic variations are in your body, you take a genetic test and it unveils where those rocks are falling to your left, to your right, in front of you. Is it a big rock? Are you actually getting, you know rained on with you know one hundred dollar bills that actually can help you? Um, you know, or or there slivers coming down? I mean, there's all sorts of things. So if you understand genetic testing, to give you the insights of where your problems are, then you can navigate through and make decisions to help guide you to making better decisions. And so for me, again, I love helping people optimize their health. And so if you're navigating a minefield and I can help you, sh- you know, say, Hey, there's a mind there, there, and there, this is how you get through it. You're like, thank you. And so, not only have i helped you you know get, not get your leg blown off but you know your your lifestyle is a lot better you're less stressed uh you're more thankful you can have kids um and you can enjoy enjoy different things so that's how i equate it so genetic testing can be very helpful but i will be very honest when i first did my genetic testing gosh 2010 i think it was and i found out that i had mthfr i was terrified and then i did the testing on my kids and um, i was terrified for them and then i did my wife and terrified for her and it's like damn this is not good and so i immediately just supplemented with a bunch of methyl folate for me and them and And then I, I never get headaches ever. And I started getting horrible headaches. I mean, awful headaches that would not go away And my, our beautiful young two-year-old kid started getting really cranky and irritable. And he had headaches like, what the hell what's going on? We all have MTHFR. I gave us all B12 and methylfolate. Now I'm experiencing symptoms that I never should have had in the first place. Our two-year-old, who was basically fine, now is struggling, an emotional wreck. And I was like, "What?" So I just stopped. I literally stopped walking. I was walking from my uh, back door to my uh, office in the backyard, and I was, we have a little bridge that I cross from the stream. And I literally stopped. I'm like, "All right, what the hell's going on?" And I was like, "What changed?" I don't get headaches. What changed? It's like I've been taking methylfolate every day for the past five days. That's what changed. I stopped taking the methylfolate, stopped giving it to my family members. We all normalized. And then I was like, what the hell? We all have empty You're supposed to be taking methylfolate. And then I realized, well, we didn't need so much. So our genes must've been clean and I was over supplementing our kids. So it's very easy to react to your genetic test results, right? and thinking that you can fix it that way. But I don't want you fixing it. I want you first being aware of it and understanding the function of that particular gene. We have 18,000 genes in our human body. When you identify what the function of each one is, then all you need to do is support that function. You open your garage and you've got tools in there. You've got garden tools. You've got tools for your car, you've got sprays and oils and all this stuff. You don't use them every day, but you know what each function, each tool does and what its purpose is. And so understanding that with your genes is very, very important insight and, and not don't be reactionary to your genetic findings. That's really, really important.
1: Mm, I would say that that is the case with so many health conditions when we get diagnosed we with anything we often make decisions from a place of fear and that's pretty much always the wrong place to make a decision from because it doesn't give you the the opportunity to actually you know make a decision from place of informed choice or to really do the research behind uh, what your body particularly needs yeah and
0: if, if you think about why we do that i mean it's uh it's, there's a big monetary benefit to increase fear in people
2: mm-hmm. if
0: they're not feeling very well, because they're more uh, willing to, you know, dish out money to have that pain go away. Mm-hmm. We saw that in, in a big, big way over these last few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the fear was next level and, um, you know, they were pushing the compliance in any way they could. And, um, you know, a lot of people just said, what the hell I'll do it, you know, sign me up. Um, but you need to stop and think and think, is there a conflict of interest here? And why am I being bombarded constantly with this information and let me reason it out. But -hmm. the problem with fear is fear reduces your reason, your ability to reason. And that's also why they do it because Mm -hmm. if you're scared, you don't think. You want to run an act it's a survival mechanism, so they know if they scare you that they've they've also got you because your ability to reason goes down.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But now we have to separate you socially if we separate you socially, then you can't reason with other people who aren't scared <laughs> to help calm you down so it was a perfect uh, setup
1: perfect storm yeah and we see it with you know if we're we're talking about genes i've seen it a lot recently with women who are going to test for the BRCA gene and Mm. within a few weeks going in to have all the surgeries so i do want to get onto the BRCA gene and i also want to get on to mthfr in pregnancy and we'll get on to what you've just spoken about about compliance when it comes to that kind of stuff before we do can you explain what mthfr is what it does what methylation is um so we can really get an understanding of how this is affecting us
0: yeah yeah i'm glad you you asked that because you know what's the job of mthfr what's the job of this thing that we keep saying that you know if you saw it on somebody's bumper uh, of a car you'd probably <laughs> hey <laughs> calm down don't be so nasty uh so it's yeah. funny
1: because my, my my former co-host of this podcast used to call it my mother effigene yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah there's a lot of memes out there um, i'm really trying to come up with a really cool shirt that wouldn't be so offensive um you know but
1: uh send me yeah. one You've i, was, I it. was thinking like
0: bullock acid as a as a mother you know that could be that could be good um so the so genes have acronyms for good reason so mthfr they're all letters uh that are shortened for long phrases methylene tetrahydrofolate reductase is the full scientific name for the mthfr and there's that's why we abbreviate it um and all genes have abbreviations because the biochemical terminology is so long and, um, so the job of MTHFR is to convert one form of folate into the body's primary form of folate. So we all know folic acid. It's again, um, blasted in our heads through health class, uh, public health. Uh, it's, it's all over that. You have to be using folic acid, especially if you're pregnant, take 800 micrograms of folic acid. Oh, and if you've had a recurrent miscarriage, you don't need 800, you need, 4,000 micrograms, or you need 5,000 micrograms of of folic acid, and so let's, let's force it. Um, So, but your body doesn't use folic acid at all. It doesn't have any job for a human or living animal, period, in life. It is completely man-made, it is completely synthetic, and it has to be converted into a form of folate, through another gene that's way above MTHFR, so I'm getting I'm getting too deep. Um, but MTHFR's job is to provide your body about 90% of the body's form of folate. So 90% of 80 to 90% of the the folate in your body is methyl folate. That's what it should be. Zero percent should be folic acid. That's a simple way to think about it. So if you have the MTGFR genetic variation, your blood levels of methylfolate are most likely lower. They might be, say, 50%, but they should be 80 to 90%. Why does that matter? Because as Lauren said earlier, talk about methylation. Well, MTGFR makes methylfolate. It makes the form of folate that's methylated. So what? Well, methylation does... So many things. it It turns genes on and it turns them off. It regulates your genetic expression. So you don't always want your genes on or off. I mean, if your genes were constantly on, it's like you would be awake, nonstop, running a marathon, answering phone calls, having conversations, cleaning the house, eating all the time, uh, doing laundry, folding laundry, um, yelling at somebody all at the same time. And your genes have to be like us. They have to do one thing at a time, a little bit more efficient than that. Um, But if your MTHFR gene is not functioning very well, it's dirty, your percentage of methylfolate is reduced. If your percentage of methylfolate is reduced, your methylation could be reduced. If your methylation is reduced, this is a process, a biochemical process in your body. Again, that turns genes on and off but it also makes things. It also helps make, um, a DNA base, which you need for, uh, cell repair. Your cells get damaged all the time. If you are not able to have certain cells, then you're more susceptible to cancer. It helps to make your dopamine, your norepinephrine, your epinephrine. It also helps clear them out, helps make white blood cells. Um, it, uh, Some obvious ones that I can't remember helps. Oh, get you have to methylate arsenic to get it out of the body. So arsenic will accumulate in your body unless it gets methylated. Mercury is another one. Um, So there's there's numerous things. Histamine has to be methylated in order for it to start breaking down and eliminated from your body. So you could be high histamine because your methylation cycle isn't working very well because you also have a dirty MTHFR enzyme that isn't making methylfolate. So all these things are connected. And in pregnancy, if your methylation status isn't working very well, you need genes functioning really, really well during pregnancy because not only are you taking care of your own body, you're building an entirely new organ, the placenta, and you're building an entire new human, your baby. And um, so it requires a lot of resources, and those resources come from genes printing enzymes in high, high numbers, which is a huge uh, nutrient uh, sink. So you have to just give your body lots of nutrients. And one of those nutrients is folate, but you've been taught incorrectly that it's folic acid. And I remember when I was listening to somebody years ago before I even knew about MTFR, he goes, don't take supplements with folic acid. I'm like, God, who is this quack? And I forget who it was, that guy was way ahead of his time. So, um, and he knew, he goes, instead, eat meat, liver, and leafy greens. But I, I thought for sure that guy was a quack. And you will you will read all sorts of stuff on the internet saying that I'm the quack, I'm full of misinformation. Mm-hmm. You'll read, I think, even on Medline or other places that, uh, you know, it's it's just wrong.
1: The advice I get asked for probably more than anything else is supplements where do i get my high quality supplements i am so particular about my supplements and i research every single ingredient right down to what the capsule shell is made of which is why my clients trust my recommendations so much now because i'm super picky i get all my supplements from amrita nutrition and i found them about a decade ago because they were the only uk stockist to stock Seeking Health products, which were developed specifically for MTHFR. And I've stayed with them ever since because they literally stock the absolute highest quality brands from all over the world, like Moss Nutrition, Quicksilver, Apex, and so many others that I love. And I know that anything I get from them is going to be the utmost highest quality. They also offer personal support at every stage from their customer care team and in-house nutritional practitioners so you can order using practitioner invite code lauren which will get you 10 percent off all supplements which will be applied to every order once you've set up an account and you can also create your own protocols once you've set up an account which is pretty cool and i've gone ahead and created a collection of all my favorite supplements with amrita which you can find in the show notes or on my website. Otherwise, just visit amritanutrition.co.uk and don't forget to use code Lauren for 10% off. Thank you so much to Amrita for supporting our mission here at Reconditioned. I have so many questions from that. Um, The first one being... What are the symptoms that a person might have or might be experiencing if they know that that they have MTHFR, that they're experiencing this? I know that just to go to my own situation for a moment, because it might give context to anyone listening. So I was diagnosed with arthritis when I just before my second birthday. And um when I was 18 I got put on methotrexate It was the first conventional drug I'd ever been on because my parents were trying to treat me homeopathically up until then um and so this was 21 years ago now when I was 18 and um they they made me take for when they give you methotrexate which is a chemo based drug they give you folic acid Mm
2: -hmm. now
1: some of the people that were in my physio group were on methotrexate and going, oh, it's reduced my inflammation. It's been the best thing ever for me. And this was the first time I'd ever taken a conventional drug, right? My parents had done everything they could. But this at this point, everything blew up. Long backstory, and most of my listeners know the story. Um, and I decided I was an adult and I was going to listen to the doctors because I was going to make my own decision. And what has this homeopathy done for me all these years, blah, blah, blah. So they gave me this folic acid alongside, and I got sick really, really quickly on mm-hmm. methotrexate. And a lot of my peers within my physio group were not getting that sick. Now, granted, they'd all been on steroids since when they were diagnosed when they were kids. And so they just kind of weren't used to, didn't know what it felt like to feel normal anyway. And all had, you know, joint deformities and and all sorts of other secondary conditions that I, thank God, never had. Um, However, I was really getting sick. Every listed side effect other than death happened to me. I lost my hair. I had ulcers all over. I stopped being able to eat. I felt sick constantly. I i mean, I was sick. Um, within three months, I could not function. Within 10 months, the arthritis that was only in four joints had spread to the rest of my body. And I was constantly, I mean, I felt so ill. And then I realized because I kept going no matter how much I told my rheumatologist and she's her her words to me were it works for 70 percent of people and for 30 percent of people it doesn't work for and I remember 18 years old my mum wheeling me in in a wheelchair I at this point had no use of any joint in my body and she'd never seen me in a wheelchair she treated me my whole life and she didn't bat an eyelid and I said to her I don't know what it is I know that there is more to modern medicine and more to the human body than 70% and 30%. And I will never come back to you again. And at that point, that's when I went and started my research, um, which was difficult because 21 years ago, we didn't really have the internet. And um, But that's when I started my journey. And what I realized when I kept pushing my doctor, another doctor to, to test me was that it damaged my liver. And then years later, what I realized was hmm. because I had MTHFR. And the folic acid was literally my liver was just converting it into a toxin and not being able to expel it from the body. Right. Um, and so I had no my detox detoxification pathways were completely blocked and nothing was exiting. But so I, I was so close to dying because my liver was so damaged. But no one picked up on that. Mm-hmm. So, what's my question here? My question here is, how, what symptoms would you be experiencing? as a sick person or kind of a normal person experiencing different things. You mentioned histamine before, and how do we, let's answer that first. Cause I know it packs so many questions into one question.
0: No, it's easy to do. Yeah. Um, the thing is since, I mean, imagine two gears, right? So gears have those little sp- like a, a bicycle sprocket, for example, you know, you have got the little ribs on uh, for where the chain for your bike goes. And imagine two of those gears together. And uh, on, like on a pulley system, they, they work together. And then as they work together, magic happens. And you can do a whole bunch of different things. Jafar is an important intersection of your biochemistry. It's at a critical intersection. And if that intersection is blocked, it's like a main highway in your town. Imagine it completely uh, blocked by you know, 15 semi trucks on fire. You know, you're not going through. And that's how MTHFR is. It's the main highway of your biochemistry. And if it is not functioning well, so many things are blocked. You can't get, you know, trying to use that highway. You're trying to get bread to the grocery store. Can't do it. You're trying to get people to hospital. Can't do it. Trying to get your kid to guitar school. Can't do it. You're trying to get people from the other side home, you know, coming back from out of town. They can't do it. So if your MGVR enzyme is blocking various freeways, it's blocking the main arterial. So you are going to get, you know, things like depression, bipolar, anxiety, insomnia, uh, you know, increase various types of cancers. Um, heart disease is a big one. Um, you know, what's another one? pregnancy complications, infertility. Uh, those are those are all you know associated with MTGFR. Um, preeclampsia uh, is a is a big one. So there used to be an amazing website which has since been pulled, which is very unfortunate, where you could type in a gene. And it would show you the most common medical conditions and how many times that gene variation was associated with those conditions. Mm-hmm. And you you could see me citing that often in my. Uh, I was going to say I
1: remember that being on your website, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, exactly. And um, you know, rheumatoid arthritis was in there for MTGFR. And so when you talked about being on methotrexate, may I ask you? You don't know, have to share if you're not comfortable. Oh, I share everything. here. Uh, mtgfr <laughs> do you have what mtgfr do you have
1: i have the um heterozygous um the same as six seven seven seven
0: okay so you you have one copy because we inherit yeah. one copy from our mom and one copy from our dad yeah um and so you have you've inherited one copy of six seven seven so your your mtgfr's enzyme's ability to function is reduced by about 20 to 30 percent yeah i have the mtgfr six seven seven And I have the MTHR-1298. That combination has changed the shape of my MTHR's enzyme by about 70% reduction in function. Mm -hmm. So I am significantly reduced. I remember when I was at the dentist as a young kid, they put me on laughing gas, i.e. nitrous oxide. That's another one. And I, man, I was, I was not good. It took me a long time to recover from that.
2: Mm -hmm. And
0: now I know why. Mm -hmm. Um, When I was rowing at the University of Washington, on the crew team, I had a knee injury, I was taking 12 ibuprofens a day, I had uh, horrible um, liver problems. And uh, I started getting breast tissue in my chest. And I went to the doctor He's like, why do I have this hard mass behind my nipples? He's like, you taking steroids. I was like, No, I was pretty strong because I was on the crew team. I was like, no, I'm not taking steroids. And he kept asking me over and over again. I was like, look, I'm not taking steroids. And uh, he goes, well, we can just biopsy. And I was like, no, you're not sticking a needle in there. And it was, I was developing high levels of estrogen because of these uh, NSAIDs, wrecking my liver, Mm -hmm. your liver processes estrogens, and now I'm getting breast tissue because of it. And to Javar, affects your estrogen levels. And which is also a big reason why you could become cancer uh, sensitive from MTHFR. So I want to read a research paper real quick here. And I'll, I'll text it to you now, Lauren. um, So you can cite that Um, prediction of methotrexate clinical response in Portuguese rheumatoid arthritis patients. Okay, implication of MTHFR polymorphisms Conclusion, our study suggests that MTGFR genotyping combined with clinical pathological data may help to identify patients who will not benefit from methotrexate treatment and therefore assist clinicians in personalizing mm. RA treatment.
2: Mm-hmm. That I've took me- i study, yeah.
0: Yeah. I, you were talking and you probably heard my clicking yeah. clack on my keyboard because I was typing in, what did I type in? I gotta go back.
1: MTHFR, MTHFR methotrexate?
0: Yeah, I typed in MTHFR methotrexate contraindicated. Yeah. First paper from the National Institutes of Health.
1: But here's doctors, the problem. No yeah, doctors are looking at this. And yeah. So there's constant contraindications with a lot of medications that were put on. Um, and all the, the list of the symptoms that you've just mentioned, the things that people might be struggling with, with their health, very rare. I mean, I say very rarely, and my experience never has a doctor said, let's test your genes. Mm. Um, either, you know, before we put you on a drug or drug, or even just to see why you're experiencing these symptoms. When I have a client come to me for a health consult, the first thing I do is get them a genes test. And my experience with I mean, even with my OBGYN, when i was pregnant i was teaching him which he did not like about methotre- uh, about um mthfr because he said right oh i see you've got mthfr you need to be on higher doses of folic acid here take some <laughs> more folic acid and i said you could have killed my baby or you could have given my baby any you know form of um disability or you know um complication it's so much we've learned also that so much miscarriage down to MTHFR and OBGYNs should be the first doctors on this figuring out how to help people who have MTHFR so the first issue that I want to flag to anyone listening is whether or not you're experiencing these symptoms I think everyone should have a genes test and by the way I'll put a, a link in the show notes of where you can get that done um and the second thing is are you know be the one that's in control and educating yourself before you're asking the doctor. Um, So what can women, I'm gonna ask you also generally, like what should people, when they find out they've got MTHFR be doing? Let's just start with women in pregnancy or women planning pregnancy, Um, whether that is natural through fertility treatment, whatever it might be, what should they be doing differently?
0: Say that last sentence again, because I was writing. So <laughs> okay. What should what should women do? What should do?
1: Women, I, I mean, maybe we should go back to what we were talking about before, about methotrexate and, and, and medications. Yeah, and so let me, people... let me say
0: a few things about that. So when you go to a conventional doctor, traditional, it's not even traditional care. Traditional care is, you know, herbs and nutrients and nutrition and lifestyle. I, I call that traditional. Absolutely. You know modern day medicine is not we think of medicine as healing and helping us but look healthcare system is not a healthcare system it's disease suppression
2: mm-hmm.
0: anti depressants anti anxiety anxiolytics antibiotics you know antacids anti-inflammatories it's all against the body it's all Mm -hmm. saying stop 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 that's not health so when you go to the doctor and you present MPGFR or you present that you want to look at genetics or you present these things that's health that's health promotion they don't do that they don't do health promotion they do disease suppression Mm -hmm. so understand that because if, if if you think that the doctor is supporting you with health, they're not. Health, <laughs> I'm gonna go on a rant here. Medical schools are subsidized and and controlled by big pharma. Mm-hmm. Think of medical schools as uh, basically like a factory
1: farm for
0: exactly. Yeah, I was trying to find the word, and that's it. It's a it's a factory farm for pill pushers. So that's all medical school is. And I'm sorry if you're a trained healthcare professional that deals with that and I but that is true. When I was studying at the University of Washington, one of the top med schools in the country, I was pre-med there. Um, and I remember when I was studying down the South Campus Center in the hospital there were drug reps swarming the place. There was always tables of big pharma all over the place, constantly. And, it, and I just always wondered what's going on there. And then I would have lunch in the, in the cafeteria um, with some of my uh, classmates, and we'd be studying whatever, biochem usually, biology. And I would see all these surgeons wearing their, their gear, their, you know, their blues and was, I'd always be just impressed with them. I was like, wow, that's so cool. And, and I was just like, they just came out of surgery and I look what they're eating. Oh my God. I mean, I was, I was like 20 years old then. And I'm not, I didn't know anything about nutrition. But they would have a coffee or some type of soda and a donut. I kid you not. Mm-hmm. And then off they would go, just doctor after doctor after doctor. And then how are you supposed to hold a scalpel? Uh, yeah. You know, so anyway, that, that's that. And then one thing I also want to say is you're the boss. You hired the doctor. You asked who's the best doctor for a so-and-so. You did your homework. You asked around. You made the appointments. You sat down. You paid them to provide you services that you paid for. If you don't agree with those services, get out find a different doctor try again and i recommend finding an integrative health professional naturopathic physician functional professional you know functional medicine doctor what have you but not a conventional doctor unless they have some type of nutritional training because they don't get that in med school so now let's transition to your pregnancy
1: (laughs) sorry just quickly just for those listening in the uk the difference here is that we have the nhs the national health service and the issue with the, i mean we've got the issues in america that happen based on big pharma and the constant promotion you know on tv and everything because mm-hmm. you're paying for it so obviously they can you know target you here that doesn't happen it gets promoted because we've got the national health service it's a quote unquote free at the point of service so how people feel about that is that they are indebted to it so mm, because yeah, this doctor is free I have to do everything they say because I'm so lucky that I don't have to pay for this, and I'm not going to go and search for another doctor because this is the doctor I've been given. So this is, you know, the best. It's like this extreme British gratitude for something Mm -hmm. that might not be beneficial. I heard it, you know, that this was very interesting for me. I've spoken about this a fair bit on my Instagram. When COVID hit, I heard people saying things like you know what the NHS helped my dad when he had cancer so I'm just going to do what they say right now the Mm -hmm. NHS helped me when I was you know I went in for burns because the NHS is known for having great burn system the NHS is good for three things emergency care if you're lucky on that day depending on who's in neonatal care and burns Mm -hmm. anything else and take it from someone who was in the system for decades chronic illness you're done for but people don't really get that. So the people were like, you know, I had burns and I would have died and look what they've done for me. And it was free, all these operations. And yeah, like, it's amazing. And that's it. in yeah, an emergency situation. Thank yep. God in an emergency situation. I had an ectopic mm-hmm. pregnancy last year and it was growing on my ovary. It was, and it, and it ruptured on my ovary. Had it not have been for the emergency care, I would have died. Yep. But that does not mean that because the NHS did that for me on that day, that I then need to bow to everything they're going to say. And this is the problem that I see, that people think that because it is quote unquote free, we are indebted to them and we should do everything they say. So that's the difference here in the UK that we have is that you're given the doctor you're given. And that's kind of the only choice you have. And if you want to get another doctor a second opinion, really have to fight for that and if you've just been given for example a cancer diagnosis or you know rheumatoid arthritis or something like that you're going to be waiting months to get another doctor because there are long waiting lists so it's very very difficult however that being said my advice is the same as yours to everyone finances allowing and also looking at what can you give up and what can you sacrifice in order to make finances allow for this find a naturopathic doctor an integrate integrative health doctor Of some sort, because in my experience, no one who is solely trained from a pharmaceutical level is going to be able to actually heal. They're only going to be able to give you drugs that suppress, as you say. I just wanted to put that in just because in the UK, it works very differently. And I think people need to make that connection.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, broken arm, you know, broken leg, car wreck. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. You know, sign me up. Um, so, um, uh, you know, it's in America, we have, uh, insurance programs and, and so people pay for their insurance and they have their low deductibles. And so they know they want to go and use their insurance and some doctors don't want to work in the insurance system and, uh, for good reasons. And, um, so yeah, it, it's, it's similar here, a little bit different, but very similar. Um, so anyway, yeah, your next question.
1: Uh, I think you were going to go back to the MTHFR in pregnancy, weren't we?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So let me back up on pregnancy because there was something that, that, uh, you know, is very significant. Uh, Histamine, elevated histamine levels is basically associated with any pregnancy complication you can name, any of them. And so that I thought that was very uh, enlightening information when I read that paper. And it's it, uh, we don't, it, and first I want to say that histamine isn't bad. Histamine is very useful in the right amount. Too low of histamine, you have problems. Too high of histamine, you have problems. You want it just right. It's the three bears. And in pregnancy, if you have a, mtgvr enzyme that isn't working very well then a compensatory mechanism to help overcome that is to increase histamine for supporting blood flow so pregnancy you have to have lots of blood flow to baby lots of blood flow and it's got to be impeded or not impeded and so mtgvr is heavily associated with cardiovascular disease well how does that How is that working? Well, it connects to another gene that I talk about in the book called nitric oxide synthase, which is called NOS3. There's there's three different forms of NOS, and NOS3 is responsible for cardiovascular uh, blood flow. And if you have a NOS3 genetic variation and you have an MGFR genetic variation, then your blood flow is going to be significantly reduced all the time. You're going to have cold hands and feet all the time. You're going to be having headaches very frequently. Um, you're going to have cardiovascular disease in your family, you're going to have blood clots in your family. Um, you're going to have early uh, onset of death in your family. You know, all my uncle died when they were 48. And my, my dad's uh, sister, she died when she was 52. So okay, well, You know, asking your family history is is actually pretty useful knowledge. And then you say, okay, if if they always ask family history at the doctor, what are they really asking? What are your genetics? (laughs) That's what they're asking. But they don't test your genetics. They ask, what's your family history? Doctor, that's my genetics. Right. So why don't you order my genetics so we can really dial this down? Uh, Just what's your family history? (laughs) Why? So anyway, it's, it's actually pretty funny. Um, it's not, but it is. Um, so you want to support those two genes heavily. And so in my book, Dirty Genes, I talk about M.P. I talk about NOS3. And you can have a dirty NOS3 that is not even born dirty. It could be clean at birth. There's no genetic variations in your, your NOS3 gene. It's, and you, you do a genetic test. And he's like, Doc, look, uh, I have no MTGFR genetic problem. I have no NOS3 genetic problem, but yet I keep having these recurrent miscarriages. What's up? Your epigenetics are causing your genes to be dirty. What? Your lifestyle, your diet, you have nutrient deficiencies. These things are contributing to these enzymes not functioning properly. It's, it's the same or even worse. Than a genetic variation. That's the concept of dirty genes. Mm-hmm. All right. So what do I need to do? Well, what you need to do is you need to follow the recommendations as I outlined in the book. And I talk about the NOS 3 gene last in the book. Why? Because so many different genes dirty it. You could have, you could be doing, you know, all the nutrients needed to support the NOS 3 gene. But if your mtgvr is dirty, your NOS3 is dirty if your glutathione genes are dirty, your nostrid gene is dirty. And so you have to know how to clean them up in a progressive manner. And if any of those are dirty, um, including the PEMT gene, then you're going to have pregnancy complications. And so with pregnancy, you really need to focus on clean genes prior to pregnancy because if you're not doing well prior to pregnancy, let's say you have cold hands and feet prior to pregnancy, That should be a sign that I'm not getting sufficient blood to my feet and to my hands. And I'm probably not going to get sufficient blood to my baby. So, or your body will compensate and deliver more blood to the baby. And now your hands and feet are going to be really cold for you. So it's an allocation of resources. And so if you try to force a pregnancy and you're not doing very well, you're going to get worse. Or your body will try to save you by giving you a miscarriage.
1: Mm-hmm. So. And this really is where it comes into everything you've just said, just stop here for a moment, because it's the profound point, which is what you said about epigenetics, which is the effect of the environment on your genes. So your genes are not your detox. How we live our lives have more of an impact on our genes than the genes themselves in most cases. So can we talk about that and actually what is it in our lives that is causing the genes to be dirty. I I mean, I know you've spoken about things that you're very sensitive to. I know a friend of mine who has the um, homozygous gene, and she she suffers quite badly and she's got multiple um, uh, uh, autoimmune diseases, That gluten, the second she goes near gluten, it sets her off. Um, And I know for me, this used to be the case. I don't feel it so much anymore Cause I, I live quite clean and I, when I do, I'm exposed to, to those things. I, I don't feel it as much anymore, um, but I'd love to know what other things in our lifestyle, the things we're exposed to that are making us worse off if we do have these dirty genes or what are dirtying our genes more?
0: Yeah. I mean, God, there's so many. <laughs> uh, my son sent me through an Instagram DM. That's how you communicate with your kids sometimes. Oh some <laughs> God, I'm not DM. looking forward to that. um so he he sent me a a video and i think it's in sweden they're creating roads that have built-in charging capacity for electric vehicles
1: right so we've got the emf issue
0: oh my god and 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 for this i i've falsely well not falsely incorrectly stated emf it's actually more uh magnetism Um, I don't know about the EMF reading, um, on those, but I know the magnetism will be off the charts. So I'm sitting in my office here now, and my ceiling is about 10 feet high or so. And it's, I've got 20 solar panels on the top of it and their solar panels are generating electricity and it's sending that electricity down a wire. And it literally runs right across that wall right there. And I had a guy Brian Hoyer from ShieldedHealing.com come to my house, and I thought all the stuff that he did was just gimmicky as hell. But I was like, "What, whatever? I'll try it." You know, he does EMF mitigation, he does uh, electricity mitigation, magnetism mitigation. I, it's like, you know what the hell? I'm building a house. Let's see what happens. He came to my office with his magnetism tester. No, 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 no. He's like, "Whoa, what the hell is going on over here?" Because I've never seen such a high reading. I was like, oh, that's the that's where my wire goes for my solar panels. And he was like, you need to really mitigate that. Um, the drop-off is significant, meaning like if I'm sitting here, it's not that bad at all. Probably not bad at all, at you know, at all. But if I'm over there, that's terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, so Wi-Fi, EMF, I see that you're wearing uh, corded um, earphones. Um, yeah, I don't
1: wear any uh I've got all my uh, my shungite as well all over the place. But we have a summer Vedic. I don't know if you guys have you've got summer Vedics there, right? The 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 mechanism that reduces the EMFs in the house. No,
0: I I I don't. I don't I don't know those things. Um and uh yeah, I want to research some more. Um, but I, I just don't have it. Um so my home is a bunker. Um my Bluetooth in here is off, my Wi-Fi is off. Um, I have, you know, aluminum shielding or uh, aluminum siding on my home, which blocks EMF, um, aluminum roof, which blocks EMF, double glazed windows, which blocks EMF. Mm-hmm. Um, so my cell phone is crap for reception in here. Um, so that's good and bad, but anyway, um, so depending on your genetic variations, you're going to be more sensitive to different things. So methotrexate worked for some people. 30% of people doesn't. Well, if you have immatrifar, it's not going to work. So methotrexate medications is going to be a big one for you. Mm-hmm. Certain medications may be totally great for you, some may be awful, just horrible. Um, uh, they can even kill you. Warfarin. How fast um, does warfarin metabolize in your body? If it's really, really slow and they don't do a warfarin genetic test, they literally can kill you because they're gonna they're gonna give you warfarin they're gonna do a, a clotting test and they're gonna say, oh, you're not bleeding. You're you're still bleeding too fast or, or bleeding or bleeding too slowly or clotting too slowly uh, or clotting too fast, my goodness. So you're clotting too fast, we're gonna give you more Warfarin. And um, so they give you more Warfarin, but your body is a slow metabolizer for Warfarin. It takes time for it to build up. Well, by the time you go in for your second test, you're dead. You had internal bleeding, you died. So. Um, it's very significant for me, motion sickness. I've always been very motion sick, the merry-go-rounds and playgrounds, um, you know, the fairs, the, the carnivals, you know, all those spinny things I, I can't do. turns out that I have a receptor in my brain, which is very, very sensitive to histamine. And so motion sickness is tied to histamine. And so that's also why I'm very histamine sensitive is not only because of my MDHFR, um, and my other uh histamine genes but it's that histamine receptor in my brain is really makes me in tune because if your histamine receptor is extremely sensitive then you only need a little bit of histamine to set you off um so that can lead to difficulty falling asleep it could lead to irritability it could lead to headaches it could lead to migraines um so a number of things
1: and then uh, i know we've got things like um You know, pesticides in the food, if we're not eating organic food, glyphosate has a a massive impact.
0: Yeah, so there's like kids who have ADHD symptoms, uh, food coloring um, Mm. blocks the receptor, um, I think, for acetylcholine and dopamine. And then you have pesticides, which do the same thing. And so they did a study where they looked at giving kids strawberries, non-organic strawberries, and they had ADHD symptoms. Why? Because of the pesticides on those strawberries block the receptor. So those neurotransmitters couldn't do their job. Mm-hmm. Those receptors got dirty. Mm-hmm. How do you clean it up by not eating crappy strawberries? Either you avoid strawberries or you buy organic. That's it. There's no other in between.
1: It's so funny. You mentioned strawberries. Cause my mom was like, I, I needed strawberries a while back and, and i i tend to buy it only in season because even the loop i don't know what it's like there but the loopholes here in the supermarkets right. is in february you can buy organic organic blueberries in february in the uk but the loophole is that they've probably been grown in peru or something and then they've been sprayed with preservatives to get it so the loophole is they can get they mm. you can say it's organic because it's been grown organically but then it's been sprayed with something to get it here, you know, freshly without going off. So when my mum was like, oh, you know, they'll be fine with a pack of non-organic strawberries. I'm like, I don't want non-organic strawberries. Um, And and so this is why, like when people talk, when when I talk about organic food or processed food and all these E numbers and the preservatives in food and the pesticides in in the food, and especially, you know, the antibiotics and growth hormones in, in meat and stuff like that, people often don't realize the gravity of it like the, why it's so important to eat organic this isn't just you know some some fashionable trend
0: it yeah. literally
1: can change the outcome of your immune system
0: well and it, it goes back to it's like the genetic variations that we have in us today have been selected for through hundreds and thousands of years right we've we've been slowly evolving as a species and the fittest survive. Nowadays, not so much um, because now we're, well, it's a long story, um, but now I'm, we're in a period of unnatural uh, deselection is what I call it. We have natural selection. Now we're having unnatural deselection. Mm-hmm. And so we're, as a species, we're in big trouble, um, which is a good thing for the planet but uh, um, it's not a good thing for us. And um, where was I going? Uh, oh, so your genetic variations that we had, say a hundred years ago, only a hundred years ago benefited us. Now we have pesticides and herbicides and EMFs and WIFIs and blue lights and all this stuff that didn't even exist a hundred years ago. And our enzymes are dealing with all that crap. It didn't exist before. Mm -hmm. And so now, what's our next generation going to look like? Well, look at the current generations. Autism is one in 36 kids right now. It was one in 10,000, like 1970. Mm -hmm. So in 50 years, we went from one in 10,000 kids having autism to, and that parent was probably exposed to something bad, really bad, and so the kid got autism. Now it's one in 36 so that tells you something
1: yeah my friend's son is at a school he's autistic he's it's not it's not um, a specialist school it's just a normal school that happens to have good resources for autism and they had a meeting um for all, all the parents who had um special educational needs children had a meeting and she told me there were 91 children just in the one block of year groups, so like I I know you guys do grades but it would have been like three grades 91 children who had autism and ADHD and I know a lot of people come back at that and say it just wasn't diagnosed before but when I look to when when I look to and there might be a small uh, element of truth to that but when I look back to even the 80s and early 90s when I was growing up I didn't know any children that wore nappies or that couldn't concentrate to that extent or that had no eye contact or were nonverbal and all these things that are normal now. So the diagnosis, maybe a couple of percent, but um, we want to look at what it is we're doing pre-pregnancy, in pregnancy, once the child's been born. So what's a kind of like bullet list of Things we should be doing so we've mentioned reducing exposure to emfs we've mentioned not having too much exposure to pesticides processed foods and stuff like that um where are we at with that? and we've mentioned obviously the pharmaceuticals um i want to go into the supplements that you mentioned before but what other kind of practical things should people be doing on a daily basis to reduce their um their their chances of the genes
2: being dirty oh
0: well you have to think of the biggest impact first and the biggest impact i believe is breathing a colleague of mine uh stephen jenis brilliant uh OBGYN out of canada and turned environmental medicine because a doctor because he was delivering babies with so many <laughs> pathologies he was like what the hell's going on why am i delivering so many you know kids that are messed up at birth and so then he started you know looking 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 and he's he like it's the environment and it was one of his conferences in fact he spoke at a couple of my conferences and um when i was hosting those and he he really said it beautifully, he goes, you know, we're always worried about the purity of our toothpaste. And we're worried about the purity of the sunscreen that we put on our skin or the purity of our lipstick. He goes, but you breathe 11,000 liters of air every day. Start there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, So 11,000 liters of air every single day has to be filtered. And so if you're breathing air that's got a lot of crap in it, your jeans, all of them are getting dirty, every single one of them. There's nothing that's good about dirty air that's going to be cleaning your jeans, nothing. So I, thanks to Sachin Patel, I have a carbon dioxide meter in my office. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be, um, I carry it around my home, but I have air intakes, you know, that I Put into our house so we pump in fresh air from the outside and we live in a clean environment and uh so i i found this and I, when i first turned it on it was at 1100 and it was on yellow the yellow line now i'm on green 660 but if i open the window the co2 content naturally of, of air is about 429 so for some reason it got to 1269 probably because i breathed into it that's crazy um Yeah, it's very sensitive. And do
1: air purifiers help with that?
0: No, no. Air purifiers help with mold spores and uh, formaldehydes and and so on. So our home is built with, we use a lot of drywall here, gypsum board in the USA, uh, which is really problematic um, for various reasons. But our our drywall in our home actually breaks down formaldehyde. So when you have new uh, materials in your home, like new carpet, new furniture, new clothes that stink. You go into a clothing store and you get a headache. It could be high CO2 content, but it could also be high formaldehyde content. Um, And uh, you put on clothes and you get itchy. That's formaldehyde and a bunch of other crap. Um, I know know they
1: took formaldehyde out of shampoos here um but miraculously because they were too toxic for shampoos but miraculously they still exist in some vaccines it still exists in some oh, vaccines yeah. so that's definitely an interesting what, one to note
0: what gets rid of formaldehyde in your body do you know
2: glutathione
0: yes what gets rid of chlorine in your body
2: glutathione
0: glutathione
2: i'm test. winning the ben
1: lynch test yes <laughs>
0: and what is a common thing in in people's homes that is generating a lot of formaldehyde besides furniture and carpets and and such? Gas. I mean,
2: right? Okay.
0: Cooktops, heaters, mm. decorative uh, fireplaces, uh, candles barbecue. as well,
1: right? Well, the not the 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 artificial fragrances.
0: Artificial fragrances have a lot of, uh, they could have formaldehyde in them, but usually they have um, phthalates. Mm -hmm. Phthalates are little fat globules, which uh, allows the scent to be more lasting. Mm -hmm. And so you're getting all sorts of phthalates. There's a book called, I think it's called Slow Death by Rubber Ducky, that talks about phthalates and men's shaving cream, toothpaste um, rubber ducks. Um, I mean, kids toys are just loaded in phthalates. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm just going to say it now. There's, there's a lot of, this is very, very, very controversial. And this may be the first interview that I've said something, um, cause it's really taken off, but the whole transgender movement, um, I think there's a huge xenoestrogen component to this massive xenoestrogen component. And I think that's also because there's a lot of low testosterone in people as well. And mm-hmm. so here you are developing as a young kid, and you have low testosterone levels, and you have very high xenoestrogen levels. You don't feel manly. You, you feel more feminine. And so you gravitate towards that. And you are completely out of your natural biological uh senses because of these environmental chemicals are so penetrating Mm. there's there are rivers in various parts of the country i think one in london i shared this with my boys years ago that frogs were changing sex um just i mean they didn't want to but frogs were changing from boys to girls in rivers So they were their gender was changing right there. I mean, if that's not a sign, and that was years ago, then what's going on on our planet today. So we cannot genetically enzymatically um, deal with the amount of xenoestrogens. It's so, so high. Every time I do a blood test, my estrogen is high. Like, what the hell? And And I'm clean. We've
1: got it. And, And it's funny, you have brought this up. It's something I've been thinking about a lot recently. Um, and, and listen, let's just come to it from a place of um, uh, opening the conversation, not from place of judgment or anything else. We're just opening the conversation around what we're witnessing. We know that there's high levels of estrogen in the water. We know that if we're not eating organic meat, organic, you know, if we're eating commercial dairy, there's high levels of estrogen in that. So that's playing a part. Another thing that I learned about was that based on vaccines having the dna of aborted human fetal tissue if you're injecting the dna of say a girl from that vaccine into a boy that will have an impact on the genes in on the dna in some way in terms of you you know sex um somehow and i don't fully understand that i just know that intuitively injecting the dna of um a, a fetus that was the opposite sex into the opposite sex is probably going to have an impact i would say
0: yeah i mean even if just energetically right i right. mean what's the energy right. of that and you're like all oh, that energy is nonsense well you know you're walking down the street and you you're walking you know say north And all of a sudden you just feel something and you turn around and you see, you know, someone that's doing something very bizarre behind you. You sense that Mm. you pick that up,
2: Yeah.
0: you know, that, that is, we have some type of skill that is shut. We shut it down as we get older, um, for various reasons, maybe because we don't use it. But there's been many, many times where all of us have sensed something energetically, whether it's arousal, or fear, or happiness, or, you know, what have you, that has driven you to make some decision. Mm
1: -hmm. And that's
0: just pure energy. Yeah, and, um, it's the
1: quantum, you know, it's quantum mechanics, and, and we know we are being able to measure that these days now. You know, I know Einstein was talking about it 100 years ago, and Da Vinci was talking about it 500 years ago, but scientists are now starting to be able to measure it. We we know for a fact that energy plays a part in in all the stuff as well. So it's definitely worth you know looking yeah. into that. Let's go back to um, so and just just kind of to go back because we are here already. So so let's just touch on it quickly. People always say to me, well, you know, I had such and such vaccine, or my kids had such and such vaccine, so I'm fine. We know now because of different genes that we possess, or different, you know, SNPs that we might have, that certain vaccines can affect certain children, right, where they might not affect other children.
0: Oh, for sure. And YouTube has deleted my videos on those. I had just frank discussions, citing research, talking with um other doctors about it and and um you know i wasn't blasting them but youtube has deleted them and um so i I do want to hit this but let me back up a little bit more on the fertility thing Mm. the next generation is being born infertile Mm -hmm. if you're struggling with infertility now and you're going through ivf treatments then the likelihood of your child being infertile, and I don't mean to put fear in you, it's just reality. The likelihood of your child being infertile is quite high. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a book But we can Count-
1: mitigate that with our lifestyles, right? Like, yes. we, just to put some hope into people, because I know that's, that that's true. What Thank you for that. Did.
0: That's true. Yeah. You can clean up dirty jeans, um, especially uh, boys um well and women too i'm learning more about women women are always more complicated <laughs>
1: <laughs> we are that yeah
0: uh, there's a book called countdown which you all should read there's there's about i would say 30 percent of that book is really really good and the rest is 70 percent you can just skip the chapters, so it's a quick read um who's it by i don't remember i'm horrible right. with actors actresses and authors
1: right we will figure uh, it out
0: yeah. Um but oh, yeah there we go. Notes. Our
1: modern our modern world is threatening sperm count must be that one. Dr. Yep. Shana Dr. Shana Swan. We'll put it in the show notes.
0: Perfect. So there's a distance. Uh, well before I get into that. There's she has data from sperm banks. I'm gonna ask you, Lauren, what percentage of sperm donations are viable? meaning that they can actually be utilized for reproductive purposes at a sperm bank in china
1: oh god i mean Give very me low i i did an episode about infertility and i i did a lot of research on this i'm guessing it's so low what Give me the number 10
0: yeah it's like between 19 to 10 yeah. yeah 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 so out of 100 samples come in. 100 guys come in. They deliver 100 semen samples. 19 are viable. At best. At best. And viable, not optimal. Mm, (laughs) Viable. And the other thing that you should know about, ladies, is you're always the one told to get on a prenatal. Mm, mm. I forget the percentage of chromosomal abnormalities that lead to miscarriages in the first three months that attribute to bad DNA, bad chromosomes coming from the man.
1: Yeah. I had this experience myself. My husband had, we we had this in our infertility journey that was nothing to do with me. And it turned yeah. out being my husband's sperm. When he turned his life around, started eating organic, stopped eating non-organic meat, all of that stuff, all of a sudden year, well, years later, um, we got pregnant. He had no sperm. He had hardly any sperm. The motility yeah. of the sperm he had was awful. We had to have IMSI, which is like the top level IVF, you know, microscope that you can have. So we've had this experience of seeing how badly the sperm can be affected and then how much you can improve it through lifestyle. Yes.
0: That's right. Yeah. And so it's, it's, uh, antioxidants are a huge, huge thing here. And I remember I did a post a couple of years ago now, maybe a year. I don't remember. Talking about uh, persistent uh, marijuana use in men is associated with low sperm count.
2: Mm.
0: Oh my God, I was hated on. I was <laughs> like, I'm just giving you the news here, folks. Um, you know, I'm a fan of of marijuana. I mean, I don't use it because I don't like it when I use it. Uh, some people love it. Um, it just doesn't, you know, my wife and I, we just don't like it. It just, really slows us down and becomes stupid um it's legal here in washington it's everywhere um go for it use it enjoy it um but uh no it's uh, but it's it will
1: affect your fertility
0: yeah and mm-hmm. so let's say you know just to wrap this up before we get to the vaccine um in the book countdown she also talks about you can determine fertility of baby boys baby boys at birth By measuring the distance between their anus and their genitalia, wow! That distance is shrinking. So the shorter the distance between the anus and their genitalia, the higher the likely is that that boy is infertile. Wow! So that distance, for some reason, is shrinking, and maybe it's because of testosterone. If you think that, you know, male genitalia um, come from, you know, basically a, a vagina you know, and then it evolves through there. Um, and, uh, you know, clitoris becomes a penis and and so on. And I think the, the labia become the scrotum. I don't remember. I, I did not like embryology. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, it kind of makes sense that that distance is shortening because of a high estrogen, low testosterone. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, yeah, there's a there's a lot going on these days um sauna is another big one i was talking about breathing but sauna sweat Mm. any way you can sweat sweat doesn't matter just sweat um so vaccines um you have a specific question on that particularly
2: it was just a
1: case of the you know a lot of people will say well my kids had it and they're fine first of all we've got the issue of you know how do you define fine what's your metrics for fine but that's another thing altogether but there is an element that vaccines will affect certain people based on their genes more than it will affect other people, right?
0: Yes, for sure. And that could be multifaceted and it is multifaceted. A lot of people are looking for one thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, it's the MMR vaccine. That's the problem. Oh, it's Mm -hmm. the, it's the hep B vaccine. That's the problem. No, it's not the problem. That's just, it's just another thing, you know, imagine this cup. Okay. This cup right here, and I've I've got it completely full of water. You come over to me and you put, um, you know, royal jelly, a, a, a tablespoon of it. It's going to spill over and cause a mess. Royal jelly is amazing stuff. That's the only difference between a worker bee and a queen bee is royal jelly. It's beautiful stuff. You could put a rock, it'll spill. You can put xenoestrogens, you know, a tablespoon of them, it'll spill. Doesn't matter what it is your bucket will spill. And when your bucket spills, that's symptoms. Mm-hmm. So anytime your bucket of problems starts filling up to the point where your body can't handle it anymore, the genes are so dirty, they're filthy. And that's when you get symptoms. So a yeah. non-functioning, well, a dirty gene is a suboptimally functioning gene, which still in to symptoms. Mm-hmm. So the dirtier genes are, The more susceptible you are to a more vast variety of symptoms, and it doesn't take much for you to go off. Let's say you're walking down the street, you're fine, and you smell uh, your friend or your neighbor has got scented dryer sheets coming out of their house, and that gives you a headache. Or you walk into a department store and you smell somebody's perfume, you get a headache, and your friend you're walking with, what's wrong with you? Why are you so sensitive? So kids who get vaccinated or adults who get vaccinated, they already may be to the point where they're quite dirty. It could be from in utero. Maybe the mother was uh, super sick during pregnancy. Maybe she was on certain medications. SSRIs are a big problem during pregnancy. So ladies, don't be on SSRIs during pregnancy. Find something else to use. Um, And uh, sorry to just leave it that way, but do some research. And uh, another one is, uh, so infections are a big one, medications are a big one, nutrient deficiencies, folic acid, um, chemicals. My wife's mother was a house painter, so she, in in Russia. So she's back in, you know, in the early seventies, she's painting houses with lead paint Mm. with my wife developing in utero. Well, Mm. of course, my wife starts struggling, right? Early on in life. Mm-hmm. Um, so genetics, if you have certain genetics that are pro inflammatory, meaning that your genes are more susceptible to turning on from an inflammatory process and staying on. And if you yell fire to someone with inflammatory genes, they burst into flames, compared to someone um like me, you yell fire, I just like, huh, Right, So a vaccine in me isn't going to do much compared to someone who you inject who bursts into flames. Mm -hmm. So, and genes do that. TNF-alpha, IL-6, uh, histamine genes, uh, MTGFR, glutathione genes, vitamin D genes, uh, vitamin A genes. All these are associated with uh, pro-inflammatory risk. And Mm -hmm. so I have been working hard with my research team. One lady is is actually from uh, UK, Angela Archer. She's fantastic. Um, And she has been helping me for years uh, with research. And so we came out with that histamine workbook and we're creating a new histamine genetic report that looks at inflammatory cytokine genes as well. So the inflammatory cytokines of TNF-alpha and IL-6s and other ILs um, and receptors along those things really predispose people to responding unfavorably to various outside stimuli um, including vaccines Mm -hmm. and also nutritionally if you are nutritionally deficient in vitamin d or glutathione at the time of getting the vaccine those two things glutathione and vitamin d are very immune modulatory meaning they really help control your immune system you want your immune system on and then you want it off if it doesn't turn off it's gonna keep fighting. If it keeps fighting and the infection's gone, now you have an autoimmune disease because the immune system is fighting you. So you need D and you need glutathione to help resolve that in a big way. Some people have genetic variations in both of those. And vitamin A is actually pro-inflammatory unless you have sufficient vitamin D levels. So you need to have a ratio there. So there's tons of factors.
1: Um, Should we be testing with a functional medicine doctor for glutathione levels, vitamin D, vitamin A, all these things to know when to stop taking? Because you mentioned before about taking methylfolate and then having too much. I know when I take B vitamins, I can tell by the color of my urine when I've taken too much. And I only take methylcobalamin, um, you know, methylated seeking health. (laughs) <laughs> actually, um, mm-hmm. and I'm going to link your um, where we get them in the, where I um, I recommend getting them from, uh, the seeking health supplements in the UK. I'll link that in the show notes. But yeah, right. if you could let us know about the testing, um, that would be great. Yeah,
0: so in the in the appendix of the book Dirty Genes, there's a there's a a list of general gene or genetic. <laughs> In the appendix of dirty genes, there's a list of general lab tests that you can order for general health. Mm -hmm. Then there is a section that continues in that same appendix that lists various genetic tests based upon that particular gene that helps you identify if that gene is functioning well, or if it's dirty. So for example, MDHFR, if your MDHFR enzyme is dirty, the number one test that you can use for that is not some weird test. It's homocysteine. So you just test homocysteine. If your mm-hmm. homocysteine levels are elevated, then then uh your homo your MCG gene is not functioning very well. And when I mean elevated, it's in the UK, you guys use different units than the US, because we have to be different here in the US. <laughs> um, and I don't remember what the range is, but I will tell you that the if your homocysteine is higher than the high number, then your homocysteine is significantly higher. If your homocysteine is in the middle of that range, let's say it's, you know, you know there is no middle huh, range. It's only high, which is stupid for homocysteine. In the U.S., it's, I think it's greater than 15. If your homocysteine is greater than 15 micromoles per liter, then you have high homocysteine. I believe your homocysteine and court researchers as well should be around seven. Ideally that's twice as high, Mm -hmm. twice as high. So there's very high disease risk at 15 and then there's optimal at seven. So you choose where you want to be there. So homocysteine is a great marker to test uh, folks uh, who are looking for fertility um, things and for men and women. Then there's a really another really good one. Uh, Lipid peroxides, it shows uh, how your fat is doing in your body. If it's under a lot of oxidative stress, meaning your low antioxidant potential, Um, if your lipid peroxides are high, then your antioxidant levels are low. You can do a very cheap marker as well, GGT, gamma glutamyl transferase, that's a liver enzyme. If your GGT enzymes are high, then your glutathione levels are low. And GGT is heavily associated with fatty liver, so if your GGT is high, you might be having fatty liver. And then glutathione does help with that, but then you also need phosphatidylcholine. Um, so, you know MCV, MCH, those are great markers for looking for anemias. You know if you have high MCV or high MCH, so you're B12 or folate deficient or both. Um, if it's low MCV, MCH, it's it's low iron. Serum ferritin is another important one to be testing for. We purposely do not put iron in our prenatal vitamins because iron mm-hmm. is pro-inflammatory. Mm-hmm. Not all women need iron. And some women need more, some men need less, some get it through their diet, some don't. So I think the the method of slamming a bunch of nutrients in a prenatal um. And one size fits all approach is very detrimental. I think we're the only company probably in the world that has seven different prenatals. <laughs> um, and it's because it depends on the type of woman that you are and the type of nutrients that you need. Um, so those are some basic labs for glutathione. I would just say start slow and low, slow and low. And liposomal glutathione is fantastic. Mm. Um, because you can just drop a couple drops of liposomal glutathione in your mouth let it sit there Um, we are improving the taste dramatically lauren you're not going to believe our new glutathione right now it's still bad Um, but (laughs) yeah it tastes
1: horrible like it's it's horrible but
0: in a a couple months time and it stays in your
1: mouth for ages
0: yeah it does it smells like rotten eggs too but now the the new glutathione is is phenomenal yeah it's just yeah, it's it's phenomenal. You don't even need to do it. You don't need a gum or a breath mint or brush your teeth. Nothing afterwards. It's fantastic. Um, so you you hold it in your mouth, and if your head clears, great. Um, glutathione testing. It's I think it's a waste of money. Honestly, it's expensive. It's hard to find. Um, it's just a waste. So just use liposomal glutathione or encapsulated glutathione. Um, and I, get,
1: I, I, I want to stop you if that's okay. I guess my question is, cause we're getting quite deep into the, the, all well, the terminology and I'm concerned that some people might find that a bit mm. overwhelming. The first port of course to have a genes test and understand what your genes are doing, but following that, obviously people can't be testing every month. What is no. the best way for the average person who doesn't have, you know, heaps of medical knowledge to be on to, once they've got the information about their genes, What's the best way for them to keep on top of how to manage it with supplementation and lifestyle?
0: Shameless plug, but read Dirty Jeans. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's it's the cheapest way to get started, to get a full comprehensive picture of what's going on and give you a baseline understanding. Because also know, what I
1: love about it is it gives you those um, tangible tools. Of you, I mean, you say things often like, you know. The dryer sheets or just get rid of this from your life get rid of that and get r- getting rid of things as opposed to adding things is going to help yes. you under to your genes.
0: that's for me is the biggest thing a lot of people always ask what do i take the first thing should be what should i avoid mm. remember you you breathe in eleven thousand liters of air every day that's an avoidance thing that's not take glutathione every day it's like no, you, you fixed your home environment and your work environment and your environment as much as you can around you. If you see your neighbor spraying chemicals outside, you don't go hang out and have a picnic in your backyard. You get the hell inside and close the doors and windows, and then you go afterwards and yell at your neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've been trying to get my neighbor to go organic for years, and um, despite our grass looking heaps better than his, He continues to spray his lawn six, seven times a year with garbage and it reeks every time he does it. And so then Mm. we go inside and I was like, damn it. Will you stop just an old man and he won't change his habits. Mm. Um, But I, that's how I change. When you're driving down the street, uh, you have in your car, the little uh, fan that says air recycling in traffic. I always push that thing when I'm in the country or no traffic, I have fresh air coming in the car. So I'm always adjusting windows up, windows down, air recycling, open or closed. That little thing I'm always talking about. I talk about that in the book. I, I purposely say probably for the first 200 pages, I don't want you on any supplements unless you really, really need them because I want you understanding where is your baseline and how impactful are these changes that you're doing in your life right now because the supplement is actually defined as to add to or enhance. Mm. A supplement is not defined as, go ahead and swallow this pill, you need to eat all the shitty food that you've been doing and not sleeping and, and working at a job that you hate. Um, that's, that's not what it does. Mm. Um, so, you know, I want you finding your baseline. Mm. And so I would really, really highly recommend reading the book, Dirty Genes. If you don't like reading, there's an audio version. And I remember when the publisher sent me three narrators to choose from. I listened to the first one. Oh my God. I can't listen to that for hours. No. (laughs) Second one. Oof. No, maybe a history book, but not a science book. Third one (laughs) was hell. Yeah. Perfect. I put his name down three times. My publisher goes, uh, we'll try. I said, no, it's him or none. And, uh, Gideon nailed it. And, uh, afterwards, uh, I asked the publisher for his his uh, number and address, and they gave it to me. And I sent him a bunch of supplements and talked to him on the phone. And great guy. And he he actually loved reading the book and learned a lot. And um, he has a great voice.
2: Awesome.
1: Yeah, it's a great book. I, I always, re- I mean, for people who like audio books, it, it it it's great. But I always recommend with books like that having the hard copy because you can underline certain things and you know dog ear the pages and 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 go back to the things that are you know that, that you know you need to come back to.
0: It's really a guide. It's it's not a book that you read once and you're done. Exactly, you, yeah. You can go back to it multiple times and I would say, you know, 30 to 40% of the recipes are from our own kitchen as well, from my wife, uh, not from me, from her. <laughs> mm. Um I'm a decent cook, but she's better.
1: Speaking of food, before we we kind of um start to wrap up, you mentioned before about eating meat. Um and what would you say to vegetarians um in terms of and, and i can't remember it was right at the beginning so i can't remember what the context was that you were saying about eating meat and, and the importance yeah. of it i'm a it recovering folate. vegetarian um yeah. it was a folate specifically um so i i was i was pretty much nearly fully plant-based for a long time um and i now eat um organic meat um i only eat meat from um specific places i don't meet, eat meat at restaurants or anything Um, And it's been a a massive um, addition to cleaning my jeans and allowing Mm -hmm. me to um, feel like I'm back in a place of um, homeostasis, I guess. What is the advice to vegetarians or people who are not eating meat?
0: Well, if you feel great, great. If your labs are great, great. If you're able to have babies and breastfeed and exercise and do everything, great. If you can't, then you're deficient in various things. And I tried going vegetarian, and I didn't do it right. It's very difficult to do right. Um, At least it was, well, I don't know. For me, it was difficult to do right. It's not going to be difficult for everybody, but for me, it was hard. I was a carbitarian. So Mm -hmm. for me, a vegetarian, I ate a bunch of carbs. Um, And that's what I ate. I Mm I mean, I, yeah. And I felt horrible. Um, so, uh, like Paul Saladino says, uh, the carnivore MD he's on Instagram. Uh, he's a buddy of mine and, uh, he says it all the time. Look, you know, if you feel fine eating the diet that you are currently doing, go for it. If you're not feeling fine, change it. And, you know, and try eating more meat or try, try changing something. Or if maybe you are eating a lot of meat and you feel horrible, well, maybe try eating more veggies. Um, mm. So just change it somehow. And meat is, is very nutrient dense, especially organ meat. Liver is very organ, or nutrient dense. Um, Paul is next level eating testicles and spleens and hearts and lungs and all that stuff. Um, you know, I ate a piece of raw liver, um, that he gave me and and Deanna Mutzel gave me some raw liver once too. And, and I, it was just a frozen little cube, like a, a centimeter by centimeter cube. And, uh, I tell you, my head just was buzzing after that. I just Mm. felt so good after that. That's kind
1: of how I felt after I drank my placenta smoothie.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, how many nutrients you're getting from there is is amazing. Um 90% of pregnant women are choline deficient. Nine zero. Mm. That's Zeisel's research. And I tried interviewing Zeisel for my book, couldn't reach him, um, which is a bummer. Um, very impressed with his work. Um, and uh if 90% of pregnant women are choline deficient. What does that mean? Well, choline is heavily needed by the brain. Is that where ADHD is coming from? Acetylcholine receptors are not being made properly. Um, And the brain isn't developing properly. Is that where autism is coming from? Autism is heavily associated with cholinergic issues. Um, You give an autistic child acetylcholine support and wow, things change. I formulated a supplement called Optimal Focus. It's been just Transformative for the right people, and autistic children are showing significant improvements from it. Um, so I'm I've been doing more and more research about that. But 90% of pregnant women are choline deficient. What also does that lead to? That is extremely common in pregnancy.
2: Miscarriage. Uh,
0: more common. Miscarriage isn't that common, thankfully. Gallbladder problems. Gallbladder problems are extremely common in pregnancy. I hear it all the time. And so uh, gallbladder nutrients by seeking health has choline in it. You can't take it during pregnancy. You should take phosphatidylcholine during pregnancy, but you get choline from meat. So if you eat more meat, um, there's a book uh, by Lily Nichols called Real Food for Pregnancy. Fantastic resource. Really, really good resource. And follow her on Instagram too. She's great. Uh, Lily Nichols. Um, you should probably interview her too. She's fantastic. Um, so, but yeah, B12, you know, you you can get B12 types from other things, but the active form of B12 that your body actually uses is meat-based. It's not plant-based. It's not mushroom-based. It's meat-based. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're going to be deficient in these things. And just like methylfolate, vitamin B12 is at the hub of all things and so if you're b12 deficient as a vegetarian or vegan you're going to have a huge issues and why i brought up liver um for being uh having the mcfarginic variant is because choline that's what you get from meat very important compound it's a b vitamin um i believe um i think they labeled it as a b vitamin um but choline and folate have a, a ratio so the more sufficient you are in folate the less choline you need but and vice versa the more choline you have the less folate you need so but you also ideally want to have a balance so eggs are a great source of choline as well so i would just say if you're a vegan a vegetarian you're having difficulty uh conceiving you have difficulty breastfeeding you have difficulty just period um really look at other ways to try to bring that nutrient, nutrient dense food up. And I understand the, you know, the, the belief structure behind it. Totally respect that. Um, I've been changing my tune about hunting. Um, I've been talking to a lot more hunters and meeting hunters. And of course you have the odd bad hunter who's just, you know, bad shot and doesn't care. And the animal runs away and dies and a slow, painful death. But a lot of hunters that I've met personally are very respectful, very appreciative of the animal, very good hunters, and the animal dies instantly. Um, you know, an animal doesn't even know what hit them, and they're just in nature, and then they, they're they done. And um, so, and then they eat everything. So hunting would be a, a great thing to to look at, and I would look at Stealthy Hunter for a resource on that. She's actually a colleague of mine, Hillary Lampers, Uh, She's a naturopathic physician and her husband is one of the best hunters probably in the US. No exaggeration. He trains hunting um, skills through a lot of people. Um, So I'll be looking at his stuff too.
1: Fascinating. Because you could look at that as being cruel or you could look at that as, you know, factory farming is completely cruel and um, I wouldn't go near any uh, product that has come from um, keeping animals in that condition. For the sake of the animals, energetically, what it's then going to put into my body, um, you know, aside from all the crap that's going to be in that animal's body, if we we're all going out hunting our own food, that's going to be better for the planet. Because uh, because one person, to, and this is how it used to be back in the day, one family or one tribe would hunt one animal and make use of every part of that animal.
0: Yeah. Um, and what was the prized organ? Liver.
1: The liver, yeah
0: liver was the prize organ and i worked on a huge australian cattle ranch in the outback austral downs i think there was 12 to fifteen thousand cattle on that ranch and uh we were out doing something mending fences or something one day and we found a, a stray cow um with a broken leg and she was struggling and um we were probably i don't know you know 150 yards or more away and uh, the manager pulled out his rifle from the car and the, uh, from the truck and the cow was just grazing one shot the cow just done i was like wow that was impressive and harvested everything it was painless for the cow cow didn't know it hit it and um misery was gone and and um you know harvested the meat mm. um, yeah, yeah it's
1: definitely an interesting concept for us to start opening conversation around for sure
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and 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 stealthy hunter is 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 great um i ryan ryan lampers is his name hillary is her name yeah
1: okay i will make sure to add that to the show notes we're going to go on to the um the final final bit which is the um the rapid fire round all about you before we do i just want to know if you've got kind of any last tips for people who have listened to this episode might be a little bit overwhelmed. Where do they start? Um, and and kind of what's the, just, just, I suppose to guide people in this journey of starting to look into their genes.
0: Yeah, easy. Um, it's, uh, let's say you're driving your car and you've never known what your car is like ever in your life. And you're, you're going down the freeway and it's noisy and it's loud and it's, everybody's complaining that your car sucks. And then one day, you want to go up to the mountains and go hiking, and you hear all your friends saying that their car sucks. And they get in your car and you off to the mountains and you don't know what car you're driving. You've never seen it, and you're going up the mountain and perfect, not spinning not jolting, not getting stuck anywhere, you make it to the top and everybody's impressed like, Oh my god, your car is amazing. So you're driving your car on the wrong road, genetic testing helps you identify what road you're driving your car and what car you have. And so you step out of your car, and you see you have a Jeep with big knobby tires, and it's lifted two feet off the ground. You've been driving this on the highway the whole time. And you realize this is an off road vehicle. Well, What are you, are you a highway built for highway? Are you built for off-road? What are you built for? So genetic testing helps determine that for you. And just key is you have to be, have it interpreted properly. And um, there's so many genetic interpretations out there that are wrong. And it's very easy to get wrong because you want to help people with the right with information that's actionable, but it's very big picture. So we have the strategy and report, which is very, useful, but it is overwhelming. It's a lot of information. Um, you can download it from our site. Um, Lauren can link to it. Um, but I would say that the number one thing is the alphabet has 26 letters. It starts with a avoid, avoid first, find things that you're doing that you can stop doing. Don't add things, avoid them. So, and the hardest thing to do is nothing and maybe practice a bit of that as well
1: amazing um okay so i always start with the same one um to begin with which is fill in the blank
2: wellness is balance Mm. i like that um one lesson
1: or one thing you teach that you hope your kids will take from you
0: gratitude
1: mm. um you have mentioned a few here but one book other than your own that everyone should read
2: oh. It's a hard one. I know. I have so many book recommendations. Terrible
0: name, but very good. Think and grow rich.
2: Oh, I, great book. Great book.
0: I wanna book. I wanna go mindset. You gotta go mindset first
1: before totally. anything. yeah Um Napoleon Hill, right?
0: Jagan. Uh, Napoleon Hill. Yeah. 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 So I,
1: I recently read um, Napoleon Hill's Outwitting the Devil. Have you read that? I have not. Oh my goodness. It was actually only published in 2009 or 2011 because his family were too scared to have it published when he was alive. And then when they were alive, they didn't want to have it published. It it was recently found and got published. And it is one of the best books I've ever read in terms of like mindset, energy, understanding like that proverbial devil on your shoulder he talks about it as being an actual devil but that's not how he sees it he sees it as in like the devil we create and hell we create for ourselves Mm. one of the most brilliant books i've ever read
0: it's kind of like
1: it almost reminds me of conversations with god from the perspective of the devil not the god brilliant
0: yeah nice and i i do recommend the audio version and the printed version both because it's interesting what you take away from audio and reading. Yeah, it's very you, true. You hear things that you didn't even read. It's like, what yeah. the heck's going on there? Um, but his the narration, and you actually hear Napoleon Hill speaking at times, and that really adds a lot of flavor to the book.
1: Oh um, wow! I've no, I haven't yeah. listened to it in audiobook. I've only read it, so I, I'm going to do that.
0: Yeah, I've listened to it. In fact, I'm flying to Puerto Rico here in a in a couple of days, and and um which is why we rescheduled this podcast um but uh yeah i'll probably listen to it again maybe actually no i'll listen to outwitting the devil
1: yeah absolutely you got it and i listened to it on audio as well i didn't buy it which is very unlike me and they do um they kind of do like a footnote thing um where they explain where he was at at the time when he was talking about specific it's brilliant it's absolutely Mm. i listened to it twice Nice. Um, it's amazing. All right. Last one. One thing in your wellness routine that you swear by?
2: Oh, so many.
1: <laughs> if you had to give them all up and choose one.
0: Well, if I have to give them all up and choose one, it'd be sleep. Yeah. It'd be sleep, hands down. Um, yeah. And I, you know, if I did it, which I don't do, I would say breath work would probably be first. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't do yoga. I don't stretch and I don't do breath work, I'm guilty on all three counts.
1: <laughs> We're doing <You> know. well, <laughs> yeah. but,
0: but I have been going to the gym, um, for the first time. Well, for the last two years, and I, I built up from going once a week, you know, for a while to twice a week for a while to finally getting where, okay, now I'm going to go three times a week. And that was really hard. And now I'm just consistently doing it. And now when I'm going to the gym, I'm actually not totally like not looking forward to it, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm not dreading it like I was before. So going to the gym for me is, has been uh, very, very good um, and uh, for many reasons, but I have a personal trainer um, because I just don't like working out by myself. And I don't like doing the same things by myself and it's a functional training. It's not, you just pumping iron. It's, mm-hmm. it's a lot more body weight and, and uh, movement oriented. So it's, it's fun.
1: I guess if you were in the crew team, you were quite athletic anyway, though.
0: Yeah, I was, well, rowing is a different type of ath- athleticism. It's, yeah. it's uh, yeah, it's, it's unison, but I was also the stroke seat. So everybody followed me, Um, you know, the seven guys behind me and the coxswain spitting at my face. Um, but yeah, it was, it was uh, brutal. Uh, my coach, uh, Mike Callahan, or Mike Callahan now for UW, he was my classmate at the time, but he said, rowing is, a, is the most beautiful, watch, beautiful most beautiful sport to watch, but it's the most painful to do because mm-hmm. of the internal agony those athletes are going through with every stroke is, is next level. Yeah. So imagine. yeah, I don't I don't wish that upon anybody.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Keep that in mind. Um Dr. Lynch, thank you so much. I've enjoyed this. I've been looking forward to well, I've been trying to get you on this podcast for a long time. So I um have really enjoyed it. I know my audience are gonna take so much out of it. So yeah, just thank you. And we will link everything you've said, including your book, uh, Dirty Jeans in the show notes, as well as um, where I recommend getting genes um, tests done here in the UK. Um, and thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with Dr. Ben Lynch. I hope you gained as much from it as I did. I know his knowledge, his resources have been invaluable to me and my health and my being So I hope that uh, it does the same for you. Don't forget that any of the products we spoke about, any of Dr. Ben Lynch's Seeking Health products can be found in the UK through Amrita Nutrition. And you can get 10% off any order, whether it's Seeking Health or any supplements on Amrita, by using the code Lauren. And all the details for that are in the show notes. If you enjoyed the episode, as usual, I invite you to please rate, and leave me a great review, because the more ratings and reviews we get, the higher we go up in the podcast charts, and which means that more people can find this invaluable information and, and resource of this hub that I'm trying to create, or that I have tried to create, or have created, um, to bring people together in wellness. So thank you so much for being here. As usual, I appreciate you.